0: Dear Squirrel, it's Dear Squirrel podcast analysis. Yeah, woo! So this is Terry Pratchett, A Life with Footnotes, the official biography by Rob Wilkins, official Unseen Academicals Review. I'm not going to go too in-depth here or anything, I'm just going to give my thoughts on the book and maybe a few of the more interesting uh, sections. So this is, of course, uh, yeah, the bi- biography of Pratchett, written by his longtime personal assistant, Rob Wilkins, um, became a, a pretty major figure in Pratchett's life, especially over the last decade or so, and during his... Um, experiences with Alzheimer's. He is, of course, the person who uh, Pratchett dictated most of his later works too. So, he's the person who actually physically wrote a lot of the later Discworld books. I think, I mean, the book explains that he dictated bits and pieces beforehand, but I think it's with um, Unseen Academicals in 2009, as we discussed on the first episode of this podcast, that because of his Alzheimer's, Pratchett had to essentially, yeah, forego writing the books. And from that point, they were dictated using speech-to-text technology and, and uh, with Wilkins writing them As well, I am pleasantly surprised that not a lot of this book is taken up by the Alzheimer's stuff. Not that that's not important, but I think it tends to overshadow a lot of Pratchett's life in a a more general cultural context. Um, You know, I think he's become known almost as much for his work with Alzheimer's and euthanasia and things towards the end of his life as he is for his fiction. And I think there is probably you know more important things uh, than the than uh, fantasy books about silly wizards. But I do find. And the, the focus on that stuff in some of the biographical and critical literature around Pratchett does tend to distract from yeah, ev- everything else Pratchett did throughout his life, which is quite a lot that hasn't been as well documented. So I'm, I'm holding the book in front of me and it's it's quite hefty. I think we've got the version I've got, the payback is about yeah when you hit the acknowledgements, we're about 430 pages and yeah, I think it's about only the last 50 to 100 which really um, focus in on the Alzheimer's stuff. So I was sort of expecting a full third or even close to half the book to really focus in on that last section, especially given um, how pivotal Wilkins was during that period. Um, But yes, there is a lot of focus on the earlier stuff as well, although not as much as I would like. Because my one, I don't want to say complaint, but I think criticism of this book is it doesn't really engage with Pratchett's writing. Like, there's not a whole lot of information about the books and the writing of the books and things like that. And maybe there's not meant to be right this is his life story it's about the, the person not the work but it skips all of the 90s and when I say skips it literally there is a montage scene that happens it's like oh he wrote more and he became a full-time author and then he went on a bunch of press tours and now we're in 2001 which is I think when, when Wilkins um, you know becomes his personal assistant so I, I sort of understand that time jump but that excludes the entirety of the 90s uh, which is when Discworld was at its peak and I guess when we're telling the story of Pratchett's life I don't really want to one thing led to another yada 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 through the period that made him Terry Pratchett right I think this montage section is introduced by a line or something that says then Terry Pratchett became Terry Pratchett and I sort of want to know about that yeah seems like a pretty big omission and I I don't know what the limits were or um, maybe Wilkins wasn't as familiar with that period and Pratchett himself hadn't fleshed it out but I think I would have appreciated if this book had added maybe another hundred pages and actually talked about the period of Pratchett's success and his rise other than than just he wrote more, and then all of a sudden successful. I think there's a lot of stuff in between, especially when and, and I don't mean to be too critical about this because I understand that it's a complete labor of love, and some of the writing and some of the passages were very touching. And, you know, I think this is a entertaining and well-written book. Like I, I listened to the audiobook version of it. I, I got the physical book, but then I, I ended up listening to the audiobook, which is read by Wilkins, and I think it's a really good way to do it. And and I smashed through it like I think I listened to like three quarters of it on one day and then I finished it off the next morning. Like it's it's interesting, it's engaging. It's entertaining so I think as a book itself it's good but coming to it as someone who wants a bit more insight on Pratchett's life and I guess his creative process there isn't that much here that isn't already available on public record or that is particularly insightful about the things that are already known. I mean I think the elephant in the room is Mark Burrow's Magic of Terry Pratchett biography uh, which came out a couple of years earlier in 2020 and then won the Hugo Award in 2021 so yeah in in the last two years there's been a very successful and I think perhaps a lot more comprehensive and insightful biography of Pratchett that has been written. I'm not sure about the relationship between Burroughs and the Pratchett estate or how they feel about it or how that works. I don't really want to make speculations but yeah maybe it's it's just my preference but I found Burroughs outside perspective sort of gave a little more insight and, and focused in on, on some of the things that myself and fellow fans might find more interesting. Like Burroughs goes into a lot of detail about like the different articles and things Pratchett worked on while he was um, working for a newspaper and Although he, he doesn't really go into Pratchett's writing process and isn't in a position to do so, he does give a little bit more sort of context around when the books were coming out and, and how they played into the progression of Pratchett's life. And and that book, I think, is significantly shorter. Okay, yeah. Amazon is telling me the, the hardcover of the Burroughs biography is only 220 pages, which doesn't seem like enough. But if that were to be expanded to twice the length, which um, A Life with Footnotes is almost exactly, I would, I, I guess, expect a little bit more density of of insight and information. Again, this is not to discredit the the book for what it is. I mean, here, I guess I'm more reviewing its interest and usefulness to me as someone who is interested in Pratchett's writing rather than just a nice story. But yeah, I think between the the Wilkins biography and the Slip of the Keyboard nonfiction collection, which a lot of the the later um, pieces in that that do deal with Pratchett's Alzheimer's and things um, are quite biographical. And here and in the Burroughs biography, some of the later sections of Pratchett's Pratchett's life do just seem to be repeating what Pratchett has already stated elsewhere. So, I don't know. It's it's a good biography, and I think there's a lot of feeling behind it. It's an entertaining read. And for someone who, you know, isn't like me doing deep dive research into every aspect of Pratchett's life and writings that, you know, this might be very insightful. They're not going to go and read the nonfiction collection or the Barrows biography. They might just read this. And then at that point, I think you'd come away from it being quite satisfied. I mean, it's a tough one to criticize given the personal circumstances around Pratchett's it and Wilkins but there is something insubstantial about it to me and I I want more than it was ever going to deliver or should have to deliver like I don't expect Burroughs or anyone else to go through and and go okay this is what he was doing when he was writing this book and this is what he was doing when he was writing this book but I I do think to skip over the entire 90s is um, yeah a pretty pretty major omission like maybe the most major omission that, that could have been made and to the point about there being no insight or engagement with the writing process what there is is a lot of engagement with uh, the adaptations and talking about the Going Postal and Hogfather TV adaptations and the story of how those got made and things and and some of that was really useful like it does clear up some of the stuff surrounding the Mort adaptation that um, we discussed on on the Mort episode that it was a lot later than I thought it was like when they said it was going to be by the guys who did Disney's um, Hercules and things like it wasn't directly after that it was like much later and, and the talk about why those deals and things fell through but at that point if you're going to go into failed deals about films that never happened, you know, I probably would have appreciated, yeah, a bit more engagement with the the books, the things that make this book worth reading to begin with. I'm sounding a bit harsher than I mean to be, um, but I guess, yeah, I think this is a, a good read, but I don't know how useful it will be as a resource for me and other Pratchett scholars. So, those are, those are my overall thoughts about the book as a product itself. Uh, as I was going through, I just made a few notes um, about, you know, some of the things that came up in it, and I guess I'll just go through them now and and give my thoughts Uh, so my first note actually pertains to the last lot of podcasts we've done or I guess are still going the the soul music ones yeah the the first note I have is that Wilkins says that Pratchett isn't really interested in music at all and I don't doubt his assessment but I guess it's on what curve you're grading on I think he's saying that Pratchett's not really that interested in in popular music and things and this isn't something Wilkins dwells on he just sort of says it and moves on And, and again he would know better than me or anyone else but that's sort of graded with Pratchett talking about his spiritual experiences with the music of Thomas Tallis and and all the stuff we talk about in the first Soul Music episode and also that even in the biography you know it talks about later how at his funeral he had Tallis played but also Meatloaf and Queen so I'm only latching on to that Wilkins saying Pratchett wasn't interested in music because I'm in the middle of, of doing the Soul Music podcast but I also think that is perhaps selling Pratchett's interest in, in music short I don't, I don't know uh, that jumped out to me I found it amusing that the Equal Rights draft uh, which we do get a bit of um, background about the writing of Equal right that the draft of Equal Rights was just simply called Girl. Oh, and we do get, I guess, confirmation here that Neil Gaiman was the one who told Pratchett to write a book about death. I mean, I'd read that, I think, in the, in the Burroughs biography and other places, but I, you know, didn't have a source for it. And maybe there's one out there in an interview or something, but I guess here, you now I just have an authoritative source to say, okay, that's true. So we have Neil Gaiman to thank for death, much to my chagrin. <laughs> oh, we also got, this is going into the more movie section. Uh, yeah, it was interesting how much of a crucial aspect in that story Shrek played, uh, given how we, and then mostly Alice, we're, was comparing um, the post one fairy tale pastiche of Witches Abroad with with Shrek and things, that that was a, a notable part of Pratchett's movie deal negotiations there. Uh, we also get the discussion of Tiffany aching as a Disney princess, which uh, yeah, just again connecting to some of the silly discussions we had in uh, uh, the Witches Abroad episodes. Where she would rank in a death battle, I'm not sure. I guess she just hit everyone with a frying pan and, and and when Again, doing the, this is the Susan thing, right? The no fluffy thinking. Um, Tiffany sort of replaces Susan, and I guess that's maybe why we don't see Susan show up again. Although they did mention there was an um, Pratchett had an unfinished plan for a, another Susan book that I can't remember the premise for, but apparently there was another Susan book uh, coming about how she was the headmistress at the school. That was the the next story Pratchett had planned for her. Oh, something that did really great on me throughout the book is um, the references to spoiler alerts. I think maybe it was Nightwatch or something, I'm not sure. And then the digital version I have, it's not coming up on the search because it doesn't count the footnotes. So I guess these are all through, through the footnotes of which there are, you know, a substantial amount, but I also, I don't love the title of this book, A Life with Footnotes, which I guess is what Pratchett wanted to call it. And footnotes are certainly a thing about him, but it's, it's sort of a weird name for the book. And there's also, I think there's a collection of Pratchett's nonfiction stuff called Once Again with Footnotes already. Don't know how about that title, but anyway, back to the spoiler alert thing. Yeah, I can't remember which book it is, but there's a bit where he goes, oh, and I'm not going to talk about the ending, spoiler alert, uh, which already bugs me because, yeah, I mean, I've even found spoiler alerts creeping into academic books. And then when I have academic discussions with people, you know, when I've been recording with other other guests for this podcast and stuff, they say, oh, no, are we allowed to spoil the book? And it's like, yeah, the, the entire point of, of this is to talk about the book, like this idea that we shouldn't discuss books because it might ruin it for some, you know, imaginary and, and unimportant person who hasn't read the end of the book, especially in a context of like, I don't know who would be reading a Terry Pratchett biography who is familiar with his books and that they're not particularly plot and twist driven and even talks about how early reviews of The Color of Magic spoiled the ending um, and I don't think that really impacted people's interest in the books or Pratchett's success. Uh, Pratchett's success or people's interest in the books. Yeah, it sort of irked me when he brought up the spoiler alert thing and then uh, whichever book it was he was discussing ends up later on going, oh, but in the epilogue then this happens. So just then actually does explain and discuss the end of the book. So I just thought the whole spoiler alert thing kind of bugged me. And then he does it a couple of more times throughout the book. There's footnotes. I think there's two or three moments where spoiler alerts are brought up. And I, and I just thought that was a bit, um, I mean, I don't like them, but also ill-fitting for the the context and the, the subject matter. Um, there was a quote in there from Pratchett about how if you read science fiction, um, it's hard to be a bigot. But I thought that was interesting. I mean, in, in my other academic work, you know, a lot of my engagement with science fiction is coming from a utopian studies perspective and animal ethics and things, which are talking about the way these works supposedly allegedly open up their readers minds to other perspectives other world views and things and while saying it doesn't make it true it's nice to know that he he was in that corner which you know is pretty obvious given the the way the uh, later Discworld books go I mean he is specifically leveraging fantasy and science fiction to try and broaden people's uh, perspectives and tolerances so that was just a quote that jumped out and then we get a, a little bit of insight into the writing of Unseen Academicals which again was the first one that Wilkins was was pretty majorly involved in. Yeah, he talks about how Pratchett doesn't really like football or know anything about it, and yeah, it talks about how he was watching a football game and didn't really understand it or, or did understand it or whatever. It's a funny little aside. But in terms of like what I'm saying, I, I want more insight into the, the process is, you know, I don't want to know every step of how Pratchett wrote every book, but I want to know rather than, oh, Pratchett didn't know anything about football, but he managed to write a book about it, why did he want to write a book about football if he didn't care about it or know? want anything about it. Why did Pratchett decide to write a book about football at that point? Why at that point did Pratchett say, I'm going to write this whole book about an orc and it's going to be about this thing that I don't know or care about. that That's sort of the thing I, I would have liked some insight into. Some other insights we get about unseen academicals are that it is the only time he or Pratchett ever used the copy paste function while writing a book, apparently to paste Macarona's titles in the in the chant during the football match. So I thought, I thought that was funny. Though I was, I found myself at odds with, um, Wilkins' assessment of that book. You know, he is conscious of the fact that it was being written during Pratchett's Alzheimer's uh, diagnosis, which we brought up on the episode as maybe a reason why it is one of the, the lesser and less focused Pratchett works, whereas Wilkins claimed that it expresses a, a relief and clarity, that it was not muddled, and that actually talks about how the book was specifically adjusted so that its timeline would match up. I didn't even really notice the timeline in the book, but I guess because they fixed it, I'm not sure what would have been uh, so out of line. Wilkins also says that 135,000 words Unseen Academicals is both uh, the longest Discworld book and he says the funniest and I dispute that. <laughs> I mean, he's this is subjectivity taste and taste uh, and I'm sure he had a, a good experience writing this book with his friend and things. There's no way Unseen Academicals is the funniest Pratchett book. I mean, we've been talking about how soul music, at least the, the death parts, might be the funniest stuff Pratchett's written and I don't know which other ones I'd point to. I mean, which is Abroad with, with some of the Stuff with Nanny Ogg, I think, is is a good contender. In, in Nanny and Carpet Juggler as well. Some of the Rincewind ones, maybe, if you just want like slapstick parody. But I don't know. It's Unseen Academicals does not strike me as a particularly funny book. And I think we were quite crit- critical in our first episode of some of the humour in relation to the the fat shaming and perhaps some of the the treatment of the queer-coded characters. So yeah, I'm not sure about that one. But it was a striking assessment. I thought he he does admit Wilkins does admit, however, that the final adult Discord novel Raising Steam wasn't up to um, I was going to say snuff but that's the book before yeah wasn't up to the standard of Pratchett's earlier stuff and and he does say that yeah by that point he was really struggling to bring the the book together but again he credits there the reason that book working at all is the editor going through and putting it all into place and we we haven't got to Raising Steam yet we're not going to for many many years like that's we'll get to it before the Tiffany Aching books but that's going to be the last one we do before those so we're talking three or four years here but that book really drags. I found it a struggle to get through it both times. So I think even if that is the the best version that could have been produced by it, I think maybe some more editing could have been done. (laughs) It seems weird that I'm now talking about all these backgrounds to writing the books and things after complaining they're not there. But the reason why I'm I'm talking about these is that these are the few moments where we do get insight into the writing process. We do get a list of books that Pratchett had planned, which I think some of these at least have been available or known about. But the Discord stories that are confirmed that Pratchett had to intended to write, in addition to the one about Susan being the headmistress. A one called The Turtle Stops, about Greater Tuan becoming sick, and then having um, the the wizards, I think, having to diagnose and, and cure her, which is meant to be called The Turtle Stops. Uh, sort of when they started describing that, I assumed that perhaps that was an early draft of The Last Hero, or something like that, but apparently it was a future book that was, was intended. Um, and also the two moist von Liverig books, Running Water and Raising Taxes. I think Raising Taxes is well known as that was going to be the next moist book. Um, Running Water, which was apparently about him getting into the sewage industry. I think that's kind of a um, an interesting angle though I don't know how it would have gone down given the focus on the world of poo and things and stuff and the later books that I didn't particularly care for. So it was nice to get a bit of insight into where Discworld may have been headed. Oh yeah, I guess something we didn't get some insight into that I was kind of hoping we would is, or well, that, that isn't even really discussed in the book is how good Omen was written and the collaboration between Gaiman and Pratchett. And I think the the best description of that and most comprehensive one is in the Burroughs biography. So even there that's sort of one where Wilkins seems better placed to explore that collaboration and relationship, but it's actually borne out better in the Burroughs book. Something I did find interesting was the emphasis that was placed on Pratchett's honorary doctorates at at Trinity College and and the University of South Australia, which I'm going to have to look into, given that that is a lot closer than Trinity. But yeah, it seems Pratchett was really quite enthused about his honorary doctorate from from Trinity and enjoyed teaching the the few lectures and classes he took there and and it's even suggested he might have been thinking about retiring into sort of a a professorhood or would have liked the idea of that. And yeah, it remains one of my big sort of regrets or irks about the early podcast is that in the first episode of Unseen Academicals, the one the one on Unseen Academicals, Alice asks if Pratchett would have liked to receive an honorary professorship, and and I dismiss it and say no, you probably wouldn't have now we've since explored that in the later episodes about how he did reject a lot of them and even when accepting the Trinity one made the joke of offering them one to Unseen University and things and that wasn't anything I'd done research into and planned at the time it was just a, a question that spontaneously came up that Alice asked that I responded to but this here really you know sort of opened that wound again. I was somewhat accurate in his attitude towards the the idea of um, honorary professorships in general but it does seem like he, he really took to the one at Trinity and was leaning in that direction prior to his death so that was interesting I also got a confirmation that the London Labor and the Poor book that I talk about, or I will talk about in the second Soul Music episode, uh, was not just a book Pratchett read, but was a major influence on him, so that has confirmed uh, that for me. You'll know what that means when you hear that episode. There was also a, a story about one of the toilets at Trinity College that I think was called The Deluge, uh, about this hyper-pressurized toilet, which I immediately related to the um, the shower subplot with the wizards in Hogfather that I'm trying to work out how to talk about in the in the episodes of that, because I have no idea what it it has to do with with anything why it's there or how it ties into anything and this would have given a reason if this was something Pratchett had encountered before he wrote Hogfather but he didn't he encountered it 20 years after but I don't know a weird coincidence that <laughs> that's in one of his books and then there's this like supercharged toilet at the college he becomes a professor at not sure about that one and yes to further relate things back to the death series there was the quote about Pratchett and, and his death and, and how he said you know I, I'm done Pratchett is no more when he couldn't write I brought up in the Reaper Man episode in contrast to my resistance to the idea that you are defined by your profession. But yeah, we had the, the quote from Wilkins here that work is what Terry Pratchett does and is. So, something to keep in mind when when thinking about the engagement with Labour in the Death series, and I guess the other Discworld books as well, is Pratchett's value of, of work ethic and things, but also just how much of his identity is tied up with that. But yeah, I did find it interesting that the book also ends with the quote from Reaper Man, and we do get a a bit of a discussion about how Pratchett claimed to have seen a soul leave um, the body of, of, I think it was the, the person they watch do um, the the voluntary death in one of their documentaries or something. Um, he talks about that, um, but then the, the book ends rather, um, I thought dourly a little bit, um, by saying that Pratchett had promised Wilkins that if there was an afterlife, he'd give him a call and let him know, and Wilkins says the phone hasn't rung yet. So I guess reasserting that atheistic viewpoint against some of the speculations about Pratchett finding spirituality and religion in his later life, that I guess is an interesting part of that discussion. But I I thought it, yeah, it was a bit of a downer way to go out at the end. And I I, I found it notable that both the Wilkins book and the Burroughs biography end with the, not just a discussion of, but literally end with the three final tweets about death taking Pratchett, which I said, you know, I I contemplated doing for the Reaper Man episode and then decided against it because it would have been trite and upsetting setting. But yeah, this is sort of a moment where, again, I think that the Burroughs biography, just by virtue of being first, sort of got in there and got to claim that. And when we got to the end of this book and it was just how it was ended, I did think, you know, it would have been good to find a another way to end it, given that that is how the other award-winning biography of Terry Pratchett ends. Yeah, I guess coming back to how the, I think this book is good, it's interesting, it's a little bit insubstantial, and I think a, a touch redundant. But again, that is coming at it from my specific point of view, with my specific purposes and the things that interest me in my. I do think, you know, if you haven't read a biography of Terry Pratchett, if you aren't that familiar with his life, then by all means, this is a good book to read. Although, having said that, if you were to say, you know, should I read this, or The Magic of Terry Pratchett, The, the Burroughs Book, I, I'd probably say The Burroughs Book, which is also half the length, so you could do The Burroughs Book and Pratchett's non-fiction collection, The Slip of the Keyboard Collection, which I think there we get we get a bit more insight into yeah Pratchett's view of the world and his engagement with the literary tradition. Alright, thanks for listening, and I'll be back when i can with the next full episode bye and we're clear